0: Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He is Jeff Figos I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes as we have now entered the extreme quiet period of the NFL offseason. Mandatory minicamp wrapping up yesterday, so the veterans now go their separate ways. The rookies will hang around, but for the next few weeks until training camp starts, this is the time period where Every team keeps their fingers crossed that nothing happens off the field and they're ready to get back to work in the latter part of July, early August. Multiple ways you can interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. You can head to Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. You can also directly interact with each of us on our own Twitter handles. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So, Jeff... We have survived OTAs. We have survived mandatory minicamp. Now we need to survive the next four to six weeks. Before I don't know what I don't know what's going to be harder. To football. I don't know what's going to
1: be harder, <laughs> that or the latter of the two.
0: <laughs> Correct. Yes. Well, it's up for debate. There's no question. No. Yes.
1: I know. I know one thing because I did the show with Paul yesterday. He is he's going to be miserable for the next seven weeks. You said because no there's surprise. nothing going on. Yeah. No surprise there. And I said to him and me and Pearson like that's why you got to take up golf or you got to have a hobby. You know, and other than sitting in your family room looking at <laughs> rosters all day. I don't know, drinking coffee and eating pasta. or
0: watching old Giants clips on YouTube, too.
1: Yeah, on his VHS,
0: tapes. <laughs> I hope I hope he cleans that VCR quite often because you know it could jam and Oh, they yeah, and by dusty. the way,
1: there's not many of those you can go to, you know, to Best Buy and find a new VHS recorder either. Correct. I don't think they're around exactly. there
0: anymore. Yeah, so. what I would suggest is, this is what I would do. I would spend the next few weeks transferring the VHS tapes to DVD. Yeah. That's what he should yeah. occupy his time with.
1: Well, That would be a good hobby. Something. Yes. I mean, and by the way, you know, they have those machines that do that, so... You know, you don't have to sit there and watch. Yeah, he
0: doesn't those. have to do the heavy lifting, correct. No. He could go to one of the local places. I believe an electronic place will easily take care of that for you. Heck, I think even Costco would do it for you, too, if Probably. you in there. Probably, I actually, it's funny yeah.
1: you mentioned that because, uh, and this is what happens when there's, you know, there's this quiet period. We start talking about DVD players and all this stuff. <laughs> But I, I Well did, you know, opened
0: up Pandora's box and I yeah, was jumping right in. Well,
1: this is kinda <laughs> interesting because you know, I've been told that I when I was when my kids were younger, we did the eight millimeter tapes and they were in the little camcorders and you just sure. you know, you you film now everybody just does it on their phones. Well, those tapes have been sitting in the basement and like these little bins and stuff, and I've been told that if they sit there long enough they'll just they'll they'll go away. Yeah. So I had uh I had this box sent to me from Arizona. It's a company that actually converts all that stuff into, like you said, they, they'll put it on DVDs, but they actually put it on a, an iCloud.
0: Um, for, oh, so they'll digitize they it for They digitize you. it for nice.
1: you. And so, you know, I don't know how much it is per tape, but, you know, I figure that it's worth it because that's those are your memories of your children growing up. And, you know, if those go away... Um, so I sent them and I should be getting them back in about a month. So I can't wait. And I mean, they send everything back to me and then they either put it on the cloud or they give you a zip drive, um, that you can put in there. So, and then, or you can have each one of them put into a DVD too, if you wanted to. But, uh, I just figure, Hey, the cloud's big enough. We'll put it on there.
0: You know? Well, and you could share that with a number of computers, yeah. too, yeah. as a backup, just in case, God forbid, one of the computers breaks or there you go. the card doesn't yep. operate. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: uh, th- that's what we're talking about. So maybe maybe we have something for Paul to do. He can just do that on his own. Although,
0: I don't know if he'll figure that out. Well, he should reorganize his library over the next few weeks. I'm with you. I actually think that's an extremely beneficial <laughs> and memory-saving you know? operation that he could go through over the next few weeks. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to be on the show next week with him. I'll bring it up. I suggest you definitely recommend that. And we could also get to the bottom of how many VHS tapes actually exist in the library.
1: I'm actually picturing his basement, floor-to-ceiling VHS tapes. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, this huge, huge VHS recorder, you know? Like, and in paneling, you know, and... Give me a bottle of Chianti in the corner with some pasta shells and a in a
0: You know, I would not be surprised if actually he's one of those individuals that has a spare VCR that's ready to go in case the original breaks down. So this way you a never spare. have to transfer over anything. You know, it's literally it's still in the box. It has not been opened, it has the original parts, it has the original instructions, Price everything. Tag, it's correct. It's receipt. waiting for Armageddon.
1: Uh, he got it at a yes. garage sale, you know, <laughs> Exactly. Somebody got it for a gift like from from uh, their work one Christmas, like, you know, elephant, <laughs> whatever
0: you call, it, you know, the white elephant gift where everybody's <laughs> nobody wanted a VHS recorder. <laughs> <laughs> he got the end of the straw, the short straw, yeah. but he was all happy about it. Compared to the rest of the.
1: What person. is this VHS you guys are talking about? Oh, that's, that's oh. right. We forgot. We have yes. somebody that's you know <laughs> no, under I'm the age kidding. of thirty over here. <laughs> I used to have to rewind Lion King and all that. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's right. There was Lion King was on there was, VHS. Yeah, movies. yeah. That of was course. that was my era yeah. of VHS. Yeah. Lion King, love it. Uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, talking about being happy. There's a lot of guys that are being that are happy now because they're the basically the off season is over. Ended yesterday. And I think, you know, Paul and I touched a little bit on it that people leave here. There's a little bit of anxiety in everybody's minds that everybody's going to behave themselves because that's always, a, you know, one of those things where you, you kind of put it on your, your teammates to look after each other, police each other, make sure you're doing the right thing. You know, and there are guys, believe it, there's, there's guys that kind of, you know, they don't take it as serious as the others, and you hope that that's not the case. But, you know, some I remember years years ago... Way before there was off-season workout programs and the way that the guys work out nowadays, but you know, guys would come into training camp and that 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 conditioning test was the was it. That's the one that they made it tough because if you if you weren't working out and you weren't training for that, it is true definition that you are not in shape and you automatically just get you know you're in the doghouse. And we talked about this before, but um, you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that guy. I don't think that there'll be any much of those. Those guys here, you got a new staff. You got to prove yourself. So I don't think there'll be too many guys that would be stupid enough to come in here out of shape. That's for Plus, sure. you
0: have a young roster too. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think that helps. And you have a lot of guys that haven't necessarily been battle tested.
1: And with the young roster, Lance, these guys are used to working out year round because when they're in college, they're in summer school and they're going through all the workouts while they're in summer school. So this is nothing new to them. They're they're used to working out. If anything, it's new to them that they don't have to work out. they would be like, whoa, really? We don't have to do some of this stuff, you know? So I think that's what's important is emphasizing to these young guys that, you know, just because now that you're in the pros and there's nobody watching after you, this is more importantly for you guys, you need to to do something. Don't take this time to take it off. You need to work out, you know, those guys are working out seven days a week. I mean, four or five days a week would be good. Your body does need some rest because you're about ready to go through a grind in training camp and things like that.
0: But to your point, you don't want it to be a rude awakening when you come back in late July, early August. So that's more of a reason why you want to have some type of a consistent schedule to help you so that it's somewhat of a smooth transition as you make your way back to the Giants facility. And that's going to be a learning curve for the young guys, the veterans you're not worried about because they've gone through this process Mm -hmm. year in and year out. So they understand what they need to do and what they need to prioritize over the next few weeks. It's more of the young players specifically Jeff, the rookie class, because I think what's important to note is, remember, since they wrapped up their college football seasons, they went immediately into preparing for the combine, right, the draft process. And as you know, and as you've interacted with a lot of players, and I've talked to GMs, what I think players don't understand is the way that you go about preparing for the combine in the draft is sometimes really not even football. You're doing things no. that they're not going to ask you to do mm-hmm. once you get back on the practice fields in anticipation for the start of the season. It's just
1: all test mode stuff. Exactly. You know, so you lose sight of what you're actually really doing. And which, by the way, once the draft is over and everybody's kind of glad and and everybody's been seated in draft order, all that kind of stuff, they go to their teams, then they get into the building. And they're like, just wow, they forget about all that stuff. Now we're real football again. I think then some guys like that. It's like, okay, now I can start to concentrate a little bit on football. I know uh, Kevon Thibodeau, I was talking to him when he first came into the building. I was saying to him, it must be so, you must be just so glad to be able to start football again. He's like, man. I just never. It was just a grind going through all these interview processes and doing all the testing and all the all the pre- preparation for the combine. All this stuff. Now it's just now your your natural abilities kicks in and you just go out there and play some football. And that's that's the big thing for me. If I'm a young guy, I mean, staying in shape is that's I mean that's normal. I'm going to do that anyways. To me, I'm going to start studying. I'm going to start learning what I learned in minicamp and in these OTAs and take it with me so that when I get into training camps, because I've told you this before, they learning curve is accelerated when you get here in training camp. You've only got so much time to to install the playbook on both sides of the ball. And so that's why this is the OTAs are so important the mini camps and those kinds of things. They get a head start on it. And then when you come back into training camp, what was maybe takes one day to learn three chapters, when you come into training camp, one day you're going five chapters. And you got to you got to keep going. And if you get caught behind because you didn't you weren't studying, and that means When in your downtime, when you're we have time off during training camp in your hotel room, wherever it is, you are studying, studying, studying. They will leave you behind. And then when you get on the field and you start screwing up, then you just start getting buried on that depth chart. And that's how you lose your job. So if it's me, I'm staying in shape. That's fine. But I'm also learning the system that the coaches have sent me home with. And I'm going to make sure that I know what I'm doing when I get back.
0: It should be just as much of a routine mm-hmm. as working out. It has out. to be. Go over and over and over again, the plays. So mm-hmm. then once again, when you return, and as you just hit on, Jeff, they're now getting a little bit more convoluted. They're going to start taking the plays to a whole other level because the goal of the spring is build the foundation. Mm-hmm. Then once the foundation is in place, then they could start having different elements in play on a given play they can add to a play they can have guys move around within a play first they want you to know the framework of the scheme then all of a sudden they could add a little bit more spice into the mix but they're not going to do that until they feel everybody's ready to go and they feel that they're in that position after the spring you come back in august they're not going to now all of a sudden say all right we're going to delay it five days because player a and player b <laughs> no. are behind yeah. and they're still playing catch up yeah
1: and then sometimes you know that the whole group as a group gets a little bit behind because sometimes things are a little bit difficult and maybe collectively all of them are not picking up on it. And that's when the coach has got to take a step back and kind of reintroduce it a well, or just kind of trick, not trick it, but tweak it a little bit. So, you know, it's a difficult game. The game of football is very complex. People don't think that way sometimes, but it is when you know, they don't have playbooks anymore because they're digi- there's everything is digital now. But you know, those playbooks were, they were a good three and a half, four inches thick. I mean, these things were huge. I remember the backpacks. These guys would walk around with these backpacks, and I'm like, you pick it up and it's you know weighs ten pounds. It's unbelievable. A lot of a lot of dead trees in there. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a kid
0: going to school when you got to carry really all those is. textbooks with you. you no, so I'm telling
1: you, it's exactly what it is. When you get the training camp, you check in. You get your keys to the dorm. Your you know your keys. You get you get who your roommates are gonna be. You're gonna you get a schedule. You get your hand your your playbook. They give you a backpack. To, I mean, it's just like going to school. Um, and then it's a pretty important school. You know graduate school here. You got to be able to do well in the classroom and make sure you do well in the field too.
0: No longer geometry. Now you're in calculus. You got calculus. So you in better there. be ready to go. Yeah,
1: absolutely. A lot of memorization. And then, you know, and that's where some of these guys, when you are going through the process, Lance, with all these interviews, they're picking up on this stuff. They want to make sure that you can, you know, retain information. Uh, they want to know how much football acumen you have coming into this because they you know these are so this the systems are so complex that these guys that can't pick it up if they can't pick it up in a whiteboard section session in 12 minutes of the interview they're never going to be able to pick up anything on the field you know and some guys are some guys are really 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 good at it and some guys just aren't some guys are more a natural ability where they just kind of you know and that's where you get on the field and you guys these guys make mistakes but they also make plays and so you kind of you kind of you kind of live with it a little bit but um, it's hard because these systems are built on every person knowing what they they have to do in order for the scheme to work. And when one guy's freelancing and not doing what he's supposed to do, he's creating a weakness somewhere where the other offense or the defense will exploit it. And that's where the offense and defensive coordinators that drives them crazy. And that's why they say get that guy off the field, <laughs> get him off the field right now. Get him off. He's not going back on there until he learns what he's doing. Because look what's happening. He's giving up plays and. You know, and again, there you know, a guy like Lawrence Taylor, I, I'm not saying he was smart or he was dumb, but the guy was just he was such an amazing player. He just did what he wanted to do and the coaches were like, Okay, that's fine. We'll just we'll just design it around him.
0: Because the end result <laughs> turned out to be positive. Exactly. Very positive. Yes. Yeah. You'll make exceptions when that happens. Yeah. When a player can execute at that level consistently, you'll be like, okay, all right, he's not necessarily following exactly what we laid out, but the bottom line is he's going from point A to point B, and he's getting the job done. So Mm -hmm. we'll suck it up, and we'll just adjust accordingly. He's making some plays. Exactly. Yep.
2: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul. some 41, 30 seconds from Mars. Oh, and two-door cinema club.
0: 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. Lance Meadow, Jeff Fiegel's with you here on Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We're going to get into some roster position battles as we look ahead to training camp. We did some of that on Wednesday's program. But also, before we tackle that, There was a minor transaction that did occur this morning by the Giants. They had brought in a few wide receivers as tryout players during the course of mandatory minicamp. And they have since actually signed one of them. And that's Keelan Doss, who has been with a few different practice squads since he entered the league. as an undrafted rookie out of UC Davis in 2019. He was between the active roster and the practice squad for the Raiders in 2019 to 2020. Then last season, he spent time with the Falcons and the Jets practice squad, tall wide receiver, six, three. He now is officially on the active 90 man roster for the giants to make room for him. They parted ways with one of their seventh round picks in 2020, TJ Brunson, the linebacker out of South Carolina. Unfortunately, TJ suffered a torn ACL, Jeff, during the preseason last year, the first game against the Jets. So he was a spectator all of last year. He spent the entire year on IR. He was one of the guys in the red jersey over the course of the spring. So they sacrificed him to bring in Keelan Dawson. Here's now another wide receiver that is going to be (laughs) added to the mix, and we talked about this position. It's unreal, and listen, those guys know they're not oblivious. They're not naive. They realize there's pretty much eight, nine guys battling for probably two spots on the active roster, and then if you don't make the 53, certainly there will be spots up for grabs on the practice squad, but if anybody asks me the position where you think the most competition is entering camp, I don't think without hesitation— I would say wide receiver, Jeff. I don't think there's another position that actually comes close in comparison. Maybe the offensive line, the backup positions, I'd say a close second if you really want to make a case. But I think wide receiver is the one that really separates itself from the rest of the pack.
1: Yeah, and I think it's because, um, you know, more of – I think we kind of like – well, the cornerback position, I, I think it's not a matter of who's going to make the team. It's a matter of who's going to be starting. Where sure. the wide receiver position, I think, is more of who's going to make the team. We already kind of know who's starting. Yep. Does that make sense? So I think. No, that, I'm
0: completely with you. And so,
1: in that, in my mind, it makes it more difficult at the wide receiver position because there isn't a lot of vacancies, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. Um, and so that, yeah, and then all of a sudden now we get a new signing. Um, of course, when nowadays for everybody that knows, when one comes in, one's got to go because the, the rosters are set at a certain amount. Um, some teams stay under them. Most of the teams are right at the, I think it's 90, right? Is it 90 90? is the number, yep. So, you know, that's what happens. So when one guy goes, one guy, yeah, one guy comes, one guy's got to go. So it is what it is.
0: More of a reason why nobody, especially if you're a fringe player, meaning you're on the bubble, can never take your roster spot for granted. And. I'm not saying that this was the reason why they let Brunson go. Clearly, as I mentioned, he was still recovering from the torn ACL. But what did we talk about, Jeff, when you have a new general manager and you have a new head coach? They are not tied Mm -hmm. to any previous draft Mm -hmm. pick prior to their arrival. And I understand Brunson was a long shot to begin with. He was a seventh-round pick. It's not as if seventh-round picks right? say, okay, hey, I'm absolutely going to be guaranteed five years in the NFL. Sometimes you're lucky if you even make the active roster, right, following sure. the draft. But the fact that he was hurt and the front office that brought him in is no longer here, at least the key component to that, it's understandable that they're going to maybe take a chance on somebody who they have an allegiance to or who was brought in within this year's draft class. So I really don't think that was surprising that they let go of somebody who, once again, is not that far removed from the draft.
1: Yeah, and again, there's a lot of competition at his line at his position. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's unfortunate that some guys, you know, and again, new eyes, new guys. And that's what happens when there's a new there's a change in coaching and in this circumstance the general manager who's making, you know, all the calls, uh, most of it. So, I think that you have to understand that that's the way that this roster is going to be built. I said it before. If you're one of these guys that is a holdover, um you have to do everything you can to prove to this new staff and the new general manager that you belong and that you'll be here and they're not going to you know they can't keep everybody um they won't keep everybody because remember these guys all know these other players that are on the roster here when they were not here because they were evaluating the draft class last year maybe the year before they know who these guys are and you know what TJ Brunson might have been a guy that did uh, Joe Shane just had no interest in when when they were getting ready to draft in Buffalo, you know, or or Billy Bean, whoever. So we'll see. We're
0: Brandon, or, Bean. not Brandon, yeah, not Billy Bean. Yeah. I, you're going baseball yeah. here. Yeah, wow! I'm going I didn't think being. you were gonna <laughs> Brandon. <Bean>. Showcase <laughs> your <goes>. versatility. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Money I know. Maybe. All maybe. All of a <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wished. What a what a movie that is. I'll tell it you. Was, that's, yes. Oh man, I'll tell you. But but yeah, the Billy Bean and the Brandon Bean. Okay, are they brothers? I don't know. Did someone. I don't believe that. they're related. Yeah.
0: No. Yes. Yeah. But we yeah. could maybe save that for another show during the course of the off season, yeah, maybe. to uh, if we have time, go through the process of how Joe Shane became the Giants' general manager, everybody <laughs> he crossed paths with, and who perhaps their relatives are. I'm sure that will be a fascinating conversation. No, but I know exactly where you were going with respect to that. And here's the other thing: the other element in play, and this is more of a hypothetical conversation, of course, Jeff. Maybe Joe Shane said, "Hey, Brunson's coming off a torn ACL. Let's see what he could do in the spring." Before yeah. we write rush judgment, let's see. And then they see him in the spring, and maybe they feel as if he's still a little bit behind. Mm-hmm. He's not yet there, 100% strength, and they have other guys that are ready to go. And as you mentioned, you only have 90 spots. You may want to get a closer look at somebody else. So, therefore, that also may weigh in. The thing about DOS, by the way, as we talk about guys on the back end of the receiving core – As I look up his snaps, and once again, very limited regular season action. He played a total of nine regular season games between 19 and 20 with Oakland and Las Vegas because they Mm -hmm. made the move to Las Vegas in 2020. Only one special team snap, Jeff. And the reason Mm -hmm. I'm bringing that up is, right, if we're Mm -hmm. talking about the sixth, the seventh wide receiver, and we talked about Robert Foster, how he Mm -hmm. was a gunner Mm -hmm. in Buffalo we've discussed some of those other wide receivers and the potential that they have with respect to special teams like Richie James. Keelan Doss, if he wants to carve out a role, I think the one thing wow. that he's going to have to establish is can he contribute on special teams?
1: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. One snap.
0: Yep, just that's, one. That and that is, was in 2019. Yeah,
1: and he played in how many games,
0: you said? Nine? He played nine games <clears throat> over the course of two seasons with the Raiders. Yeah, and then he was
1: hurt all of last year. So. Well, he was
0: on the practice squad last year. Mm. Well, yeah, still. So that's why he yeah. wasn't on an active roster.
1: That's uh that's pretty interesting when you think about it because, you know, when you're a guy that uh, if you're if you're Terrell Owens, I can see we don't play any special team snaps, you know. <laughs> yes. But this is a guy you're something you don't know tells up. me he'll get some leeway. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> but I think that this is where you have to make your you know, you gotta do it. And, you know, hopefully they've told him and maybe they've told him, Listen, you're gonna have to do some special teams. You haven't done it in the past, but you're gonna have to do it here. And it's a thick line in front of you. Um, there's a lot of guys ahead of him. On that depth chart, that have have some serious experience on special teams, um, so he's got a long ways to go. But hey, listen, just be happy you got a job and you've been invited into training camp. You're on the roster. Um,
0: and, well, clearly he made an impression, right? Sure. If it was only a few tryout practices yeah. at mandatory minicamp, he clearly made an impression enough for them to say, "Hey, come back to training camp," and also you're on the roster.
1: Yep. Yeah, I mean that's that's what he was here for, right? It was a, a strictly a, a it was a workout. He impressed. They said, hey, we, we like you, we're going to sign you, and we'll go from there. Now, now it's up to you.
0: I have actually a related question for you, Jeff, because we were talking about, you just got me thinking, what some of these players try to do over the next few weeks, conditioning and studying the playbook. If you're a guy like Keelan Doss, who says to himself, okay, the way that I'm going to separate myself from the rest of the pack is if I can show that I can – do some roles on special teams. How the heck do you (laughs) go about... No, in all seriousness, how the heck do you go about practicing that to get ready for training camp? What I mean by that is, how do you practice being the gunner? You got to get what? Like 11, 22 guys together to (laughs) simulate special teams (laughs) returns in order to fine-tune that craft. No? Unless you think running in a straight line or off an angle is actually going to help you get better prepared for that. I don't see how that... Gives uh, you a leg up, though.
1: Yeah, you know what? I'll tell you. T- to me, there's three things that come to mind. The first and foremost is that I, I got to get, I got to have the ability to get some, watch some tape on some special team stuff, right? So and, okay. and study a little bit. Um, let's just put it in this scenario. He was asked by the coaching staff, particularly t- uh, Thomas McGee, that I want you to play these positions on special teams. Well. He's got to be able to watch some tape to see what that what that's going to detail. Because remember, he only has one snap on special teams, right? Exactly. So that's one thing. Number two is special teams is a lot the, – the gunner position is a wide receiver position. You're, you're getting man-pressed, right? No, sometimes it's double-pressed. Um, most of the time it is, actually. So as a receiver, you just have to hone in on your fundamentals and your skills, okay? And that's that's one that, you know, you got to work on your hands. Uh, you can you can do drills with those pads and working on the swim move and slaps and all that kind of stuff. So that's one thing you can work on. And then the other one is is, um, is you're being able to to move your lateral speed and things that you're doing for training. So those are those are the three things that I see that you need to do. Um, but there isn't like yeah, it's kind of hard, but you know what you, if you got a couple guys, and you're training with, you can certainly have those guys line up across from you, double teaming you and working on splitting them. That's one of the techniques you do as a gunner. You want to try to, you trying to get skinny. They call it, you come off the line of scrimmage, you get one arm up, one down low, and you get skinny between the guys because they, they can't hold you they're going to have to let you go through and if they're going to you know they're blocking you and then that's kind of like a wide receiver position or if you're singled up then you got to be able to use your footwork and get out so these are the things you got to work on but to me if I've never played special teams I'm going to become uh I'm going to watch a lot of film and I'm going to watch the positions that my coaches told me I'm going to play at least that's me that would be the advice that I would give somebody or if that was in if that was me that's what I would be doing
0: and that makes sense it's just as we have had previous related conversations, it's one thing to watch hours of film. It's another thing then to go out on the field and do it. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying, like, mm-hmm. if I'm Keelan Doss, you just I want to watch film, but I also want to actually start practicing it to get the feel of the speed. And to your point, seeing, you know, two guys in front of me that are trying to inhibit me from running forward. I want to at least get on the field and move around a little bit. No. So therefore it's not sort of a big surprise once we actually get onto the practice field in camp.
1: Well, how about this? And we don't know this. I'm just speculating. This might have, this this could have happened. How about, you know, we the, the organization, the coaching staff knows that he's not a special teams guy. Well, how many how many days of practice was he here? And maybe just maybe he went through a lot of these drills on special team stuff at the gunner position and even maybe remember, some of these wide receivers play they also play the other position. They're also holding up the guy you know sure. some of them so maybe he went through a lot of these other these other drills and stuff and all of a sudden the, the, the staff was like hey this guy's never played special teams but man I'll tell you what he's got a knack for it and so maybe that's why they said hey we're going to sign you because maybe there is an upside for him to play in special teams who knows
0: yeah no I, these are all the conversations that are happening behind closed doors when you're evaluating a player, or maybe Thomas McGee, he looked at him and said, man, this guy's got great length and he's got the potential, as you mentioned, Jeff, to be more of a blocker and help out on specials.
1: Yep. I I think that's probably, I I, I would imagine that's probably maybe what happened that these guys said, Hey, this guy can might play some special teams. And we obviously know what he he can do on being a wide receiver. It's a long shot. You know that Um, there's only going to be so many of them. And there's a lot of them in that, in that meeting room. That's for
0: sure. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely. Lance Meadow, Jeff Fiegel's with you here. Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live as we are wrapping up mandatory minicamp, looking ahead to training camp. Few announcements here. Giants season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925. Or you can visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Also... Don't miss your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2022 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available, or you can place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925, or you can visit Giants.com suites for more information. So what we were having conversation-wise earlier in the week, we were looking at some of the position groups mm-hmm. and going over – the battles, the long shots, guys that maybe have already established a leg up on the competition. And we were just talking about the wide receiver position, tight ends, even a little bit on the offensive line. But on the defensive side of the ball, all eyes are going to be on the secondary. That goes without saying once training camp starts. And you could also say another position that we haven't really spent a lot of time on is, is the defensive front, Jeff. Mm -hmm. And while Mm -hmm. we know Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence are carryovers and Justin Ellis has ties to Wink Martindale with the Ravens, behind those three in particular, Mm -hmm. you could argue, hey, there's opportunity. You got D.J. Davidson, the fifth-round pick, Mm -hmm. who clearly is going to try to make a name for himself. David Moa, who also is a carryover, he was on the team last year. And then after that, they have a few undrafted players. And I think the other thing to monitor is, do they look at maybe some of these outside linebackers, since Wink is going to be moving personnel around, that Dexter Lawrence talked about this week, about that concept when he spoke to the media. Maybe they only mm-hmm. keep a small amount of defensive linemen because he's going to wind up utilizing a number of outside linebackers up at the line of scrimmage.
1: Yeah. I mean, I got to I got to believe you got to keep six,
0: right? Um, In terms of defensive linemen. You're talking about. Yeah. Well, I mean, once again, I don't know if there's a rule of thumb that everybody has to follow. I think it, well, goes to whether or not you warrant a roster spot based on how they're going to use you. If they don't love all these defensive linemen and they think a linebacker, once again, has the flexibility, maybe you keep a few extra linebackers under yeah. those circumstances. Well, that's
1: what I'm saying. I, I would see normally the defensive line, I mean, you're, you're talking about probably eight or eight or nine guys sometimes, you know. But here, I think in, in the scenario that you painted, I think you you may have the ability to to keep some of these you know, edge rushers that actually can get their, their hand in the dirt inside and maybe, a, you know, a different technique. Um, because I really, you know, you got Jalen Holmes is another guy, DJ Davidson and David Moa. Those are your three guys that are backing up the, for the front three. That's I'm looking at the depth chart here. Behind those guys, you got Jabari, Jabari Ellis. OK, and then you got this Ryder Anderson. I, I don't know who these guys are. And then there's Christopher Hinton, who's another one.
0: I'm surprised, so, by the way, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm yeah. surprised you didn't ask whether or not Jabari Ellis is related to Justin Ellis. I thought you were going to go oh, there. That well, was a big missed was opportunity my next for question.
1: you. Yeah. OK.
0: Yeah. yeah. Right. The jury's still out, is by Is he, the though? Way. No. We have not confirmed <laughs> that. <laughs> oh, now all of a sudden it piqued your interest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you want me to go with Jalen Holmes, too? You want me to go there? You want me to start with that last name?
0: Well, right, Jalen Holmes at Darnay Holmes. Yeah, you could have went yeah, there. See? Uh, yeah, okay. There's so many connections. You know, Patrick. Here. Oh, that's Holmes? Yeah. That, no, that's well, no, Mahomes. That, that's Mahomes. Yeah, no, yeah, this is, he, right. didn't, yeah. he sacrificed the yeah, M the, uh, and the A and, there, yeah. and also the L. Okay? He sacrificed a lot of <laughs> letters. Oh, my goodness. That's,
1: yeah, here we go with the name. What are we going to play? Wheel of Fortune now season. here for yeah. the remainder of the show? Yeah.
0: Can I buy a vowel?
1: I think. No, you can't. They're all taken. I think that, you know, you got a point there where I think that this is You know, there's three guys here we know are going to make it. I think there's going to be, you know, how many they keep. Uh, I think they got to keep a backup at each one of those positions. So, Uh, but I think they go light on the defensive tackles, if you will. And I think they go heavy on the, you know, the outside linebackers, inside linebackers, those guys.
0: They could very well keep DJ Davidson and David Mullen. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, those could go. be maybe yeah. the two guys that yeah. they have as backups. i got to and- believe
1: that Davidson is going to make it. He's a fifth-round draft pick. I think they're going to give him every shot to make the football team. You know, David Moa again, he was here last year, and so they may not like him, you know, just from what we talked about yep. a couple minutes ago. So, uh, But then when you look at the outside linebacker, the edge positions on each side and the inside linebackers who we've already talked about, I believe there's going to be a lot of those guys. There could be 10 linebackers that
0: they keep. Well, because you could take Thibodeau, Jihad Ward, O'Jalari, Quincy Roche, Ellerson Smith. You could put those guys on the line, Jeff. That's my point. Mm -hmm. That's why if you're choosing between a defensive end and an outside linebacker, but you're more enamored with the potential of the outside linebacker, keep a few outside linebackers. And knowing Wink, he's going to have some plays where he has them drop back. He's going to have some plays where they come off the edge. Mm -hmm. So it's not as if he's going to be looking around the roster and saying, oh boy, I wish I had an extra defensive end because we can't put any of these outside linebackers in that position. I don't think he's going to have trouble given his creativity and what the players have been preaching all offseason. So to me, it's not I've got to have seven defensive linemen, I've got to have... 10 outside linebackers? No. If you think some guys are interchangeable, who cares if there's carryover? Makes no difference. There's no rule. The NFL hasn't set forth saying (sighs) you have to keep X amount of each position. No, That's the beauty. You want to keep one running back? Keep one running back. Keep 10 wide receivers. It's all about what is conducive to the well-being of your team.
1: Has anybody ever made the comparison? I know it's a completely different uh, as far as, you know, when you say the Buddy Ryan 46 defense and the Wink Martindale defense, I I feel like there's some similarities to these two defenses because Buddy Ryan was a very – he was a guy that was all about pressure. Yep. Blitzes, disguising coverages, and, he you know, he loved those big linemen. He had Reggie White, I mean, Clyde Simmons. These are all my ex-teammates that I played for when when I was with the Eagles. These are guys that in that 46 defense – Seth Joyner was the middle linebacker. I mean, these guys, they there came from all over the place. So I think that when I look at this defense, it reminds me a little of the Buddy Ryan uh, defenses where, you know, he just had people coming from everywhere, including strong safety, weak safety, you name it safety. He, they were coming. And uh, he required that he had good cornerbacks, and he did. Um, Eric Allen was one of them, you know, an all-pro guy out there. So, I mean, just uh, – I look at this defense, I look at the way that Buddy Ryan ran that defense back in the day and how exciting it was to watch. I think this is going to be just as exciting.
0: You got me thinking. I'm actually looking. I feel as if Wink crossed paths with one of the Ryan kids.
1: Well, so, pro- well, maybe, well, probably Rex, right? up in the in, Well, no, I'm no? thinking
0: Rob because he was in oh. Oakland. Oh,
1: that's right, yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. Rex yeah.
0: never was in Oakland. So I'm thinking by that. You actually you brought up an interesting point. I'm just confirming that. I'm pretty sure they crossed paths. Let's see, Rob Ryan was the defensive coordinator in Oakland mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from two thousand four to two thousand eight. Don Martindale was there. He was the linebacker's coach <laughs> under Rob Ryan. So there you go, Jeff. Mm-hmm. He was actually the linebacker's coach for all five years that Rob Ryan was the defensive coordinator. So there's absolutely mm-hmm. principles there of, of what Rob Ryan's father ran because what do you think Rob and Rex ran? Mm-hmm. They learned from their dad mm-hmm. 100% to tie in. Yep,
1: yep. You know who the safety was for the Bears back when the 46 defense was with uh, Rob Ryan? I mean, with buddy Ryan. Jeff Fisher. Was the yep. was the safety on that team that ran that defense. Um <clears throat> interesting.
0: Right? Long time I mean, NFL coach. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And actually coaching now in the USFL.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> Fisher also was also a very good special teamer too, by the way. Sure. During sure. his
1: playing career. Yep. Absolutely. So so there you go. There's there's some similarities and um, you know, for those Eagles fans that are still around and used to watch the days when Buddy Ryan was down there, we'll get used to it. Because that's what it's gonna be this year with this. Giants defense. It's gonna be fun to watch. And I tell you, you know, what was fun with those days was you had those you had Reggie White out there. Um well
0: it wasn't fun for the opposition. No, but it was fun for the <laughs> for us fun. watching it. Yes, if you were on the right side of him. Yeah.
1: Man, oh man. That was just uh some great stuff. And so it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. But that you know, the comparison, I, I just seen you know, blitzing all over the place. And yeah, you know, you live and die by that thing. Um so hopefully
0: When it works and you get home, it's a thing of beauty. Mm -hmm. When you're not, then all of a sudden it may not look as pretty. But, hey, it's just another example, Jeff, of how when you're a coach in the NFL, and this is what the guys who continue to evolve and carve out multiple decade careers, is you take from every coach that you're exposed to, you sprinkle it in as you formulate your own scheme. So clearly, if we're looking at what Wink is doing now and we're tracing it all the way back to Buddy Ryan, and by the way, he didn't even work directly for Buddy Ryan. He worked for his sons. It just goes to show you that's the way to go about your business. Take a scheme, build your own foundation and framework, but then transform it with little pieces here or there so that you continue to keep offenses off guard. And the players, the one thing that is noticeable to me, and I understand everything's new and fresh, and most players are going to react, but there just seems to be a lot of excitement about what these guys are delving into. They're really passionate about how he's moving them around, and they think that there's a lot of potential here to wreak havoc because I think they look at it as a challenge every day. They come to work, and one day they're lining these guys up at the line of scrimmage, and then the next day they're lining them up a little bit in coverage. And I think Mm. most of these guys have not been asked – To take on some of those roles in their previous games,
1: yeah, and and, you know, in a minute I'll switch to the offense, but I I think that you know, defensively, if you're a guy that likes to get after the quarterback, I I I believe in the system because here's the thing: these quarterbacks you can't touch them. So, what what do you got to do? You got to pressure them. You got to kind of put some sort of pressure on them and make them make mistakes. Because if you don't, they're going to just pick you apart. And so I feel like I think the quarterbacks, they're, they're good, but you know, they're, they have a propensity to make mistakes when there's pressure. And although there are some quarterbacks that that play pretty good when there are pressure, if you go and look at the statistics and we look at them every week when we're, we're doing our matchups and stuff for the games, you know, some of these guys, you can't blitz them because they're really good at, at blitzing, you know, picking up the, you know, recognizing what's happening and then they convert it. So, but to me, defensively, if I can stop the run consistently and pressure the quarterback into making mistakes, then I'm going to be all right. But you know, you got to have you got to be able to do that. You can't have one, just one. You got to have kind of both of them, right? I mean, you got to be able to to stop the run when you need to. And then when you know it's passing down legitimately, you've got to put pressure in that quarterback space and make him either turn the ball over, get a sack or throw an incomplete pass. Those are the things you want to do.
2: Visit livenation.com/concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, some 30 seconds to Mars. Oh, and 2 Door Cinema Club.
0: You got me thinking. I got you thinking a lot. Yes, today. you do. No, I, right. I, this is good. I'm glad. This I'm is the glad. time for I, us I, to I maybe. You. I'm I'm
1: I'm really working your brain today on this. You run. are. That's well, awesome. no,
0: because this is something that I wasn't necessarily planning to get into, but I think it's interesting <laughs> to investigate a little with respect to you were talking about. You want to make quarterbacks uncomfortable. Yeah. You want to get yeah. them out of their comfort zone. Well, let's look at some of the quarterbacks that the Giants are playing this season. Mm-hmm. And Staying whether or not. First. Well, of course, we can stay in the division, but my point is where I want to go with this is, are you playing a lot of mobile quarterbacks? Because the point is, if you're playing some mobile quarterbacks, they're going to have the ability, as you pressure them, they're going to have the ability to get away. If you're going up against more statue-esque quarterbacks, then when you press them consistently, you can really do a lot of damage. So if we start with the division first, as you noted, Jeff, Mm -hmm. okay, Dak has the ability to run, Mm -hmm. so he can move out of the pocket. As the pressure comes his way, Carson also has the ability to move as he takes over in Washington, Jalen Hurts. So the three guys you're playing in the division, I'm not saying that pressing them is not going to work. That's not my point. My point is you're still going to have to deal with the fact that if you don't contain them Mm – As you have a lot of emphasis put on rushing either from the left side or the right side, you better make sure that you have other guys on the opposite end or secondary members can step up to assist because this is where that cat and mouse game, Jeff, can come back Mm -hmm. to bite you. You put so much pressure on the quarterback, he gets out of it. He's rolling towards the opposite side. Maybe he has a hole there to run himself, or maybe the defense is so overcommitted to one side that now you've got a favorable matchup for a wide receiver or running back. They dump it off, and then all of a sudden, you're going to be looking from behind as he races all the way to the end zone.
1: Well, then becomes you know we talk about lane discipline, right? You got to be able to, if your if your job is pressure one side and not the other, you're gonna have to have containment, and that's that's gonna be you just have to be able to be smart and play your position and do what the team wants you to do and not freelance on those, because that's the only way you're going to stop. The. So maybe the interior pressure is where you're going to try to get after this guy. And so then maybe you you change your personnel up a little bit for these guys. Um, and then when you go the following week, you go out of the division, you go to another team that's the guy's a statue. Now that those guys that were, you know, kind of containment, now they get to pin their ears back and go ahead and go get the guy, you know. So it's all about matchups. It's a weekend, week, week-to-week game, and you're going to have to, Make sure that you do what you're supposed to do, you're disciplined in your lane, and then that way you can play football and let the other team just react to what you're doing. Because you know what? Everybody has to do their job on Sunday. And the, the coaches are smart enough to put you in positions to make plays, but sometimes you're, you're in a position not to make a play. You're, you're in a position to prevent a big play, and that's your position. You have to do that, and what happens in games is guys get out of those positions. We see it all the time. Carl Banks talks about it the the best. He's like, "What is this guy doing? He's specifically supposed to be here, and he got out of position and gave up a big play around the outside, you know, for a first down, extend the drive, and then they go down and win the game." That's that's what happens. You can't do that. Discipline, discipline, discipline. Even though it's, you know, your job is to do this, it's not to make a play, it's just to prevent a play. You got to do it.
0: Well, and that's why when we talk about this Wink-Martindale defense being so pressure-heavy, I think what we forget about in the conversation, I'm talking about this in generics, not necessarily one individual in particular, that discipline maybe becomes even more important, Jeff, in a defense like this. Because if you're constantly bringing the full arsenal of weapons, the way of the quarterback, the guys who are not running after the quarterback – especially the guys on the back end, if they are slightly out of position, as you were just talking about, mm-hmm. that's how you then give up the home run plays. And I think if yeah. you go back and you look at the Ravens last year, and granted, they lost a number of key players in the secondary. So that would explain a lot of it. But there were also games, if you go back, uh, Marlon Humphrey, one of their best corners he was shredded by Joe Burrow and the Bengals if you go back to that first matchup now I know most guys have trouble with Jamar Chase but he was out there for that game and they still couldn't slow him down so that's just another example of the fine line that you walk in a high pressure defense discipline cannot be sacrificed I would say discipline maybe is even the bigger priority because whether you get home or not you want to make sure guys understand what they need to do and where they need to be in the event that you do not finish the job up front.
1: Well said. Exactly. And I you know I think and and this also goes into, you know, how these players are evaluated off the field. I mean, discipline on the field comes from discipline off the field. So, I'm going to get an idea of how this guy works in the building and then when I'm at the practice field. And then I'm going to have confidence in putting them in the game and putting them in this situation. What happens is the guys are just—they're athletic. They're—they're—they're—you know—they're football players. And sometimes when you're put in a position to just do what I'm saying, and there's an opportunity to go make a play, they take it and they get in trouble that way because all of a sudden that opportunity just closed. And you have abandoned what you're supposed to do, and now you give up a big play. That's the hard part about being you know, a professional player in a certain situation where you're, you're asked to do something. It's just because it's reactionary. The game itself is reactionary, and but that's where you have to learn. You just, you know, it's like, it's like with golf. Okay. I'm going to bring up a golf Pearson's going to love this. And, and for the <laughs> listeners, for as long as I'm on this show, I will always talk about golf. Okay. When, when Tatino is here, he doesn't like <laughs> to talk about, it. I know you're not a big golfer either, but you'll at least, you'll at least tolerate a little bit. Sure. There's some, no golf. there's sometimes when you have a par four, 370 yards, short par four, you don't need to hit your driver. You bring out your three wood, maybe a iron, or just hit it down there in the middle. And okay. But that's boring. But that's what you're supposed to do, okay? Because if you want to score well, then that's what you do. But what do you do? Ah, I'm macho. Have I ever hit a 340-yard drive? No, but I'm going to drive this green today. Okay, that's not what you do. So that's my comparison is that you can't do that all the time. You just have to be smart and sometimes just be manage the game the way you're supposed to. And sometimes that doesn't work for guys. And before you know it, there's the freelancing that I'm telling you that happens. You hear that term all the time? Oh, the guy's just freelancing. That's what he's doing. He's asked to do a job. What he's supposed to do, he's not doing. He's doing something on his own, and he's giving up big plays. And that—that's that parks your butt on the bench quickly.
0: <laughs> See, instead of freelancer, I thought you were gonna go with independent contractor. <laughs> See, he's independent, right? He's not yeah. staying within the team that's, lines. That's
1: right. Well, he's that too. He's very independent. Yeah.
0: There you go. Yeah. I like those parallels. I think that worked very well. I was I, able I, to follow. I'm sure so that I there's give you people that
1: are golfers that 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 follow our show and listen. They 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 can, they they relate to that i'm telling you it's just it's very it's hard i'm telling you as a golfer it's hard when you have a short hole where you think you can just crank that driver out there and then have like 60 yards in but you know what if you're playing if you're playing a match you got to play smart you just hit the iron down there in the middle 200 yards and then you got 100 and you know 40 yards in it's that's it
0: so i'll take you to another golf analogy okay. have you seen the film tin cup oh yeah okay yeah. with kevin costner oh yeah at the end, if I'm correct, and I've seen a lot of films, obviously, but I believe that's the movie where he constantly hits it into the water mm-hmm. because he wants to be over aggressive. He thinks he's going to get it <laughs> as opposed to maybe doing the smart thing, mm-hmm. which is, I think, exactly what you were talking about. Right. Jeff. So I was thinking of the film Tin Cup mm-hmm. when you're like, just lay it down. Yeah. Stop going for the home run. Exactly. And he keeps yeah. going because he said, no, this is going to be the one. I'm going to get it across the water. Yep. And it came back to bite him.
1: It does. Many times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a phrase in there that's a, a great golf terminology. I can't remember it's something like me- uh, mechanism or something. You know what it is, Pearson? Uh, it's From like, that film? Yeah. There's a phrase. Yeah, yeah. He's it, when he's you know he's trying to be he's trying to become a better golfer and, and the guy he's working with is telling him you got to you got to just you know you got to do this and he just can't get it because he's trying to hit the ball over the water every time. You know <laughs> what a great show though, Kevin Costner. That is a classic. Absolutely,
0: a yes. Classic.
1: That and uh, Happy Gilmore.
0: Yes, those are the two. No <laughs> doubt about it. And Caddyshack. We can't oh, leave yeah, that well, out. Caddyshack, yeah,
1: Caddyshack is, is a, you know. and But you know what's funny about Caddyshack? My kids, they all, they all hate Caddyshack. Really? I'm like, well, how can you hate? That's like, you can't hate Caddyshack. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, a, that's like a classic all-time film. They just think it's boring. I'm like, well, I guess if you, I mean, I don't know. When it first came out, it was, the, I mean, I still love that show. I still, so you know, I'm I, I'm a B movie guy, you know, I think that's what they call it. We like dumb and dumber, you know, those, those things. Oh, but those are classics. Those are they're the fun. Best.
0: Nobody's given them an like, Oscar and Academy no, but Award, so but they're enjoyable, fun right? To you and, sit down. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And how many times are there people that are, you know, they're, they're saying the quotes in those movies in certain situations in your lifetime. It's hilarious. Yeah. You know, they leave an impression. They're memorable. Yeah. Talladega nights. That's another one. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Do you know how many Will Ferrell great quotes there are in on that one? I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're bringing every sport into the conversation yeah. today. Yeah. I'm surprised you went golf first and not race car driving. Maybe you could have done that. Or Indianapolis 500 analogy. Yeah. Well, you could have thrown it all Hey, talk
1: about race car driving. This defense is going to be race car driving. It's going to be, you know, full, yes. you know, pedal to the metal. And uh, I can't wait. I just, you know, I saw him, Paul, the other day. At my biggest I'm 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 all right with the the offense is gonna be very creative. Um I think you're gonna see a lot of the same stuff in different formations and different personnel groups. Defensively, I, I can't wait to watch practice. I, I really can. And 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 God, I mean tell you what, the offense, the, the scout team offense, they got their they got their hands full this year. <laughs> I mean, because imagine you're going up against Wink Martindale's defense day in and day out with all the blitzing and all the things that's going to go on. I mean, these guys, their heads are going to be
0: spinning. Well, that's what John Feliciano was talking about a few days ago. He was saying Julian Love was lined up as a linebacker (laughs) and then, you know, came close to the line of scrimmage, and they don't even have pads on, and he's all of a sudden trying to figure out where exactly they need to slide over the protection or whatever it may be.
1: Yeah. 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 It's going to be fun. It'll be. It it, will indeed. And I, I think that, remember, you know, you can only go as far as your personnel. So on either side of the football and special teams too. So, you know, what Wink might have in mind, you may not see it for a year or two. You know what I'm saying? Like this defense is just gonna have to crawl along until you get the personnel and the and that what you want on the field to be able to do exactly what Wink wants to do. Because I'm sure that right now he's sitting there with his playbook going, All right, page thirty, that one's gonna be next year, page forty-four, <laughs> maybe yeah. this, but you know, so maybe if you have a hundred pages now you're you're down to maybe sixty of them that you're able to use. The other ones you're just gonna have to introduce. And I think as this defense starts to evolve, some of those pages will be Reinserted into the playbook that weren't there at the beginning because this defense is going to have to learn how to play this kind of defense you know what i mean so it's just not all you know the three four defense where you rush three and you drop four and you know this is all kinds of responsibility which by the way i think the emphasis in this defense for wink martindale iq okay long IQ you've got to understand concept and you've got to do what we said you got to have discipline and be able to if I'm not asking you to rush this one you need to contain and if you do then we're okay because I'm bringing the whole left side over here and I got nothing over here so I want you to slide over and contain then if you don't do that I'm in trouble and so I think it's a lot about IQ for this defense more than anything
0: this is more of a reason based on what you're saying not that you ever want to lose personnel but based on what transpired with Baltimore last season, and they had even more experience in the secondary, I think the one position, Jeff, that they can least afford to absorb injuries this year, given they're young as it is, and there's a lot of unknown on the depth chart, I would say safety and corner. If they lose guys for stretches, you know, then that's going to force Wink to, to your point, take the lesson plan that he laid out, mm-hmm. and every week, okay, I'm going to install this, and... Really toss it to the side and say, okay, we can't necessarily be as creative and dig as deep as yeah. I had anticipated. So if you were to ask me one position, mm-hmm. they could least afford to absorb injuries, I think it's the secondary.
1: 100%, because of what's, what, what you're relying on those guys to do. Exactly. If you don't, you know, the guys behind them are there for a reason and you get injuries, now that guy is now catapulted to the front, and he may not have the skill set to do it, which then has a trickle-down effect
0: for the other positions, and now your defense suffers a little bit, so I agree with you. Well, because you'd be turning to, think about this, if the starting secondary right now, and this is all in pencil, is Julian Love and McKinney at safety, and then Aaron Robinson, Adoree Jackson, and Darnay Holmes is your top three Sure, corners, I would say okay? that
1: that would be your starting five.
0: Fair yeah. enough. Okay, so let's operate on that. Then if you start losing that personnel, you're going to start turning to the likes of Cordell Flott, rookie, Rookie. hasn't played one regular season game. (laughs) Dane Belton, rookie, rookie, hasn't (laughs) played one regular season game. Even if you want to throw in Radarius Williams, remember, he barely played last season. So he's essentially still a rookie because he needs to have X amount of games to complete a first season. Then you look at Maurice Kennedy who they brought in, who has experience with Baltimore-Dallas. Okay, not a rookie, but also has mainly been a special teams player throughout his career, not necessarily an every-down defensive player. Uh, Jaron Williams, okay, he's been with the Giants, but also not necessarily an every-down defensive player. Mm -hmm. And then Henry Black, who they brought over, he was with the Green Bay Packers. But the point is, the majority of those players, Jeff, that is the no. land of the unknown. Yeah. That is not even baptism by fire. I don't even know if that does that
1: justice. Well, again, this is this is the process of building a new football team. Um you don't have a lot of depth and I think that what what this team is trying to develop is the depth. But you got to start somewhere, right? You just don't immediately bring in 30 veterans to build your depth. That's not building depth. That's just kind of like, I think it's
0: just stupid. Well, that's placeholders. You also need to develop players too. That's more of a reason why you shouldn't follow that.
1: And there will be guys that you develop and there will be guys that we wanted to develop, but just didn't develop. And those guys will be gone. And that's why this team as a fan, I think you have to be optimistic, which I think we all are very optimistic as far as the front office and the coaching staff, but you have to have, you know, a little bit of patience of how this is going to be built in order to be built to be a you know a, a contending team, and we had some callers on yesterday. Len was a, was somebody was saying that they like this team to be eight wins. I mean, I would love this team to be eight wins, and could they do it? Sure, they could do it, um, but I feel that. And then we have Scott from New Mexico that thinks they're going to win 11 games and win the division and go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Scotty, I love you. Okay, but I I still want to bet that one. By the way, and whatever it is you want to bet, I'm in. Um, but the fact is that this is how you have to be patient because there are guys. This this team is evolving, and it's both offensively and defensively that you have to plug these players in. Um, and the starters are okay, but as soon as you start getting injuries, which this, every team does that's where you get a little bit nervous when you don't have the depth behind there because you need depth to compete because this game is physical. You're always going to have guys out out of the lineup. It, It happens every day. Oh, it's a guarantee. There's no You're question. never
0: going to get through the season expecting yeah. all 22 of your starters, and that's not even including special teamers, mm-hmm. to play all 17 games. And Plus, by, remember, you got the additional game now, too.
1: Yeah, the additional game. And by the way, how many times have you and I sat here on, on the stage, not here, but on the stage on a Saturday, or excuse me, on a Sunday at MetLife Stadium, and we get the inactives, and we're like, what happened there? What this guy, wh- when did this come from? You know, I mean, like, it's just out of the blues, guys get hurt. You know, and you don't know about it, and, it's, and it's, it's already Saturday or, you know, or it happened Friday, you know, and that one guy hasn't been practicing all week and as a starter. Now he's going to start the game because the starter, something happened, tweaked his ankle or something, you know. So it, there's always things that happen going into games where your depth, if you have great depth, you're you're not, that, you're not that worried about calling the same play you would if your starter was in there. You know what I'm saying? Like, so Wink, if you got to – this goes back to what we were just talking about talking about this the cornerback position and the secondary if you start to get some injuries there uh, you're a little, you you got to kind of like you know get a hold back a little bit on on the defense and some of the calls that you're going to
0: make before we wrap up we had started with the divisional quarterbacks mm-hmm. and the fact that they're all extremely mobile i just want to go through this 14 teams that the giants are playing because they're playing the division rivals twice each i want to go through the other quarterbacks that they're facing this season. And then we could delve into this in a little bit greater detail maybe next week. I think it's a good exercise just to see what the defense is up against and why discipline, which is what you and I were talking about earlier, is so important. So Ryan Tannehill, we'd put him in the same department as the three divisional quarterbacks. Sam Darnold, I'd put him in that same. Justin Fields, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson – Trevor Lawrence so far, Jeff, Every one <laughs> I of them. mean, you're not going up against statues, mm-hmm. Seattle. Mm-hmm. We don't know who's going to be the guy, but Gino, we know can run mm-hmm. and drew lock also has mm-hmm. some mobility, but once again, who knows what that quarterback situation is going to look like by the time we get to week eight Davis mills. I wouldn't think that he's above and beyond, yeah. but he's certainly not a statue and Jared Goff for the lions. Okay. You know, not maybe as killer as some of those other guys. Then we move down because they have four straight divisional games. Kirk Cousins, okay, not overwhelming. Matt Ryan, we know he's not necessarily a huge mobile guy. He can move, but he's not going to scare the living you-know-what out of you. And that's it. So I would say the first half of the season, Jeff, if you analyze it based on the running ability, the mobility of the quarterback, is a huge challenge. Then after the bye, and I'm not talking about the division, the division we know, but the teams outside of the division, maybe you get a little bit more leeway in terms of what you could do. But the first half of the season, if you're caught out of position, good luck. Those quarterbacks alone with their legs will make you pay.
1: Yep. And that's where the discipline is going to come in. You got to have it. And uh, each game will be different and they'll game plan against, you know, some of those guys are better than others getting out of the pocket. Yeah. Um, You know, most of them have the ability to make plays with their legs. It's not the number one thing they want to do, but if you break down, then they will make plays with their legs.
0: And that's the point. That's what Mm -hmm. I'm trying to emphasize. I'm not saying that, you know, these guys all run unbelievable 40-yard dashes or they're weaving in and out of traffic. It's just they have the ability that if they can sense the blitz and prepare accordingly, they can run away from it. And then if you're out of position or you overcommit, now all of a sudden you don't have as many guys on the back end and that could lead to big first downs. Whether it be the quarterback running or the other element, Jeff, is – You dump it off for a quick pass. I'm not saying that they have to run themselves. Maybe all of a sudden you see there's a wide-open wide receiver on the right side because everybody else went the opposite side, and then that also can come back to haunt you. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, a lot of options.
0: Yeah, so those are things that – are going to be interesting to watch, especially in the first half of the season, based on the field of quarterbacks that they're going to go against. All right, that is going to wrap up Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We are back up and running on Monday. We are returning to our normally scheduled time, which will be noon Eastern. So for those of you who had to adjust your clocks, adjusted your schedule, we appreciate you being flexible with us for this week's mandatory mini camp. but we are returning to noon Eastern starting on Monday. And a reminder that... Today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the weekend. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. And we'll be back on Monday right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one.